Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear would inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. Let me say that one more time. Worship should only be given to God. While praise can be given to a person, praise can be given to a place, praise can be given to a thing. You got that? There's a difference between the two. Praise we can give to a person, place, or thing, but worship we only give to God. Praise is a verbal, harmonious expression when all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and strength come together in alignment, together in worship. As I said, praise can be given to God and it can be given to man. It can be given to a thing. It can be given to a place. But praise that we give God in our worship elevates a person to a deeper communion with our Father. When we join praise in our worship life, it elevates us to a deeper communion with our Father. Now, notice that I said praise in worship to our Father elevates us. Praise in worship, in worship to our Father elevates us. What elevates us? All right. In worship to our Father elevates us. But often in worship, worship is given to men and worship has been given to things. Consequently, this doesn't elevate those people, but erroneously, erroneously, it attempts and it tries to lower God under the things that we are praising and the things that we are worshiping. And sometimes we'll do this knowingly. Sometimes, a lot of times we do it unknowingly. There are times that we don't know that we are worshiping things above God. There are a lot of times we don't know it. And when you come together in a communion of a family of people, it's okay when a brother or sister comes to you just to kind of check you and remind you, oh, whoa, 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 worship is in the wrong place. And that's okay. That's what we're here. We're going to talk all month. Next month, we're going to talk about the Greek word koinonia, which means fellowship. So all month, next month, we're going to talk about fellowship. That's going to be the topic next. But that's why we come together as a family Every once in a while, we just need to check each other out, all right? And I, by checking each other out, I'm not talking about single fellas checking out the single ladies. Not that kind of checking out. Just, just making sure. Just making sure. But worship given to a person is dangerous. Let me hear somebody say dangerous. It's dangerous, and at times, worship given to a person can also be fatal, Worship in its purest and sincere form should only be given to God and God alone. When you take worship out of the context of God, it is dangerous. Man doesn't know how or what to do with worship. A man doesn't know what to do with worship. This is why we often see with movie stars and musicians and athletes often end up suicidal depressed or hurting others because because they become objects 
of worship themselves. And they don't know what to do with something that belongs to God. Are you listening? Football season comes around. Baseball season comes around. Uh, 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 basketball season comes around. What else? Uh, NASCAR drive. NASCAR does people. I don't know if people do NASCAR. <laughs> but, uh, soccer? That's not an American sport, so we leave that one out. So, uh, just joking. <laughs> just joking. I'm just joking. We're, we're now starting to come around to soccer. It's okay. But, 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 but you know, we tend, to, we tend to worship these things in place of God. And sometimes you do it knowingly. Sometimes you do it unknowingly. And, and don't think it's just with, with sports. It happens with movies. It happens with work. It happens with career. It happens with children. It happens with relationship. It happens with a car. It, it happens with on and on and on. Misplaced worship is a dangerous thing. A person, place, or thing should never come before or between you and God. It's quiet in here. A person, place, or thing should never come before or between you and God. God shouldn't have a numerical place, an order, a sequence, an arrangement, or a category in our life. God shouldn't be compartmentalized. God shouldn't have a first, a second, or a third place in our lives. Did you hear that? God shouldn't come before or after anything or anyone. Everything, somebody say everything. Everything and everyone comes from him and comes because of him. Becky, my wife, doesn't occupy a place and God another. Let me explain that. Becky doesn't have a place. My children have a place. And then God has a place. My children don't occupy a higher or a lower place than God. Because of God, Becky. Let me say that again. Because of God, Becky. Because of God, my children. Because of God, my job. Because of God, my career. Because of God, my wealth. Because of God, my health. Because of God, house. Because of God, business. Because of God, joy. Because, are, you, are you following me? God is the hub. He is the axle upon which everything and everything and everyone revolves. In a spiritual sense, everyone and everything is a subsistence of his existence. I have Becky because I have God. I have my children because I have God. I have my home because I have God. I have a job because I have God. Are you all getting this? You may be saying, 
Whoever said no, I'm going to go over there and kick you in your mouth. Because I know that was my grandson. Always trying to be funny. I'll go kick you and then I'll go kick your dad in the mouth too. Think he all hot now because he a pastor. I don't care. You may be saying to yourself, well, I know that many people have husbands and have wives and have cars and have houses and have businesses and have all of these kinds of things and they don't have God. So what's the difference, pastor? I got you. Well, let me be clear. I just don't have Becky because I have God. Let me say that again. I just don't have Becky, my wife, because I have God. I just don't have my kids because I have God. What I am trying to say is I have had Becky without having God in my life. And that did not work too well for me. I have had a wife. I have had a family without God. I still had the family. I still had the the wife. I had those things without God, but I saw the direction it was going. Having God manifested, it produced, it revealed the best wife, the best Becky I have ever experienced without having God. Now that I have God, I've experienced the best of what God was giving me. Having God manifested and produced, it unveiled the best in my children to me. Having God manifested, it produced, it unveiled the best of God for me in the here and now. Now, this wasn't always easy because this only happens in the spirit realm. The flesh can't see and the flesh cannot perceive this because this happens in the spirit. First, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18 says, But whenever, somebody say whenever. Whenever someone turns to the Lord. Let me get that. Let me say that again. Whenever someone turns to the Lord. Whenever someone turns to the Lord. Notice that your turn is always followed by who's, who's there? The Lord. So many of us turn in our affliction, in our hardship, in our tribulations, in our trials. We don't turn to the Lord. We, 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 turn, we turn to work. We turn to money. We turn to addiction. We turn to drugs. We turn to uh, social media. We turn to everything else. You know how many times people go on Facebook to ask for prayer warriors? That gets under my skin. Get on your knees yourself. Where are my prayer warriors at? They're praying. That's what they're doing. They're, they're, They're praying. You do the same. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away for the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit is, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, what? There is what? There is what? Freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him. 
Yeah. Hey, nobody in this section over here clapped for that one. It was just this section clapped. And they're like, ah, was that? Listen, Becky, Becky, had a, Becky had God glory, but I couldn't see that glory. Just like your husband has God glory, but you probably can't see God glory. Just like your children have God glory, but you can't see God glory in them. You can't see them. Why? Because you haven't turned to the Lord. You still have a veil. So when I looked at Becky, I looked at Becky through my carnal eyes. So Becky wasn't my wife. Becky didn't possess God's glory. Becky was my rival. Becky was my enemy. Many of us look to our counterpart and we look at them as a rival, as an enemy. We don't look at them with the eyes and with the heart and with the spirit and with the mind of God. Why? Because you're still not turning to the Lord. When I turn to the Lord, the Lord then becomes the master of my life. As he becomes the master of my life, all bondage in me, all bondage in me is, 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 is now taken away. I am now free. I belong to a new master. And that master now unveils and manifests all the things that I couldn't see before. The veil was removed so that I could see in my wife what God saw in my wife. The veil was removed so that I could see in my children what God could see in my children. When the veil was removed, that's going to be that's going to be a meme. Maroved. <laughs> when the veil is removed, you like that? Maroved. Hey guys, maroove all the bondage from your heart. Maroove it. All right. But when the veil was removed then I could start seeing like God. I could start thinking like God. I, I could start feeling like God feels. I started to feel for my wife the compassion that God felt for my wife instead of anger. Anger for many years was what I felt. 12 years, all I had was anger, animosity. Why? Because I wanted to be controlling. I wanted to be manipulative. That's what I wanted. That's my flesh. But when I turn to the Lord, the Lord then grabs all that yuckiness. All right. And now I look and I see my wife through the eyes of God. With the heart of God. With the compassion of God. Are you, are you listening? All right. If, if you can still find it in your heart to call your, your husband stupid, to call your husband a lowlife and call or your wife and call them names and on and on, chances are you are yet to turn to the Lord. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 through 9 says this, letting your sinful nature control your mind. Man, you better write this, this, this verse down. This here is a principle. For you to hold on to. Listen, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Leads to what? But. Somebody say but. but. Letting the spirit control your mind leads to what? Life and 
Life and peace. How do we have life and peace? By what? Letting the spirit control your mind. Just why some people can't sleep at night. Festering, harboring, junk and stuff. You ever wake up and just sweaty because you just had a fight in your in your, just your sleep? Not just, just me, that's, that's just a me thing. Uh, having, you get angry, taking all that junk into bed with you. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It, it never did obey God's law and it, it never will. That's why. Do you get that? That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And parentheses, remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them, they don't belong to him at all. Just because you go to church don't mean he's yours so you have a claim to him. This is why a life devoted in worship to God is vital. This is why I wanted to talk about this topic. It's not just coming to church on a Sunday. This is vital. A life of worship through praise makes the accommodation in my heart and in my mind and in my soul and in my strength so that God can come and dwell in this place where I've made an accommodation for him. This is what Psalm says in uh, Psalms 22 verse 3 out of the Amplified Bible says, but you are holy, O you who dwell in, in the holy place where praises of Israel, where the praises of Israel are what? Offered. Wherever praise to God is being offered, if those praises are building blocks and creating an abode for him to inhabit. He comes and he occupies that realm. That's at home. That's, that's where, you, where you drive. That's where I heard David say one time, he was stuck in traffic, and he said that while he was in traffic, that lend, it, it, it offered him the opportunity to have a worship service. When I read that, I'm saying I was convicted because I used those moments to fight and argue. I'm, I'm being transparent. And I, I read what he said, and I said, ooh, that's good. I need, to, I need to turn traffic jams into worship moments. The true way to worship, let me, let me give you this. Romans chapter 12. It's a true way. Listen, Romans 12, verse 1. So dear brothers and sisters, who are we talking to? Brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Part of the problem is that we're so arrogant. We think we did it. We, you think it's your degree. You, you think it's your smarts or your, your wit or your charisma. You, you, think it's, you think it's all your race. No. 
Listen, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Listen, keep going. Let them, speaking about your body, be a living and a holy sacrifice. Remember, we talked last week about the altars. On that altar, you put something of value. Well, you are that of value that you place on that altar. A living and holy sacrifice and the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. <laughs> Ladies are having a night of worship on the 19th of November. You don't got to wait till the 19th of November to have worship. You can have it now. You can have it at work. You are walking and living worship everywhere you go. So, unfortunately, Scripture says that the way to worship, the true way to worship, is to give your bodies to God as a living and holy sacrifice. But, unfortunately, what happens is that many people worship God. Many people worship marriage, worship business, worship children. I, I, I see people, I see people worship their children in a way that is so dangerous. Just dangerous in the way they worship. I had to teach my children, teach my children their place so that they could learn mom's place in our marriage. I, 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 I couldn't teach my children that they had a different dad than mom had. It was very important for, their, for, for my children to understand who mom was in their life. But more, more importantly, who mom was in my life. I think it was this morning, right? I looked over at Becky and it was this morning. I was, I, it was, this morning I was bragging about myself to my wife. I was bragging about myself to my wife. I looked at her. And I said, I am and I will always be everything and all you need. That's it. You know the amount of couples that go through a divorce after 20, 25 plus years. Why? Because no children are no longer in there and the children are, are the center or the hub of love in their home. That's wrong. Not biblical. It's not Christian. And many worship children, or many worship a wife, or many worship a husband, many worship work because you think that it's at work that you get what you get because of work. No, everything that we have, we have because of God. It's not because of my career because of my job, because of my, my side hustle. You know how many people are lost because of a side hustle? It's my side hustle. You know what I'm saying? It's my side hustle. It's my, my, it's my side hustle face. Because <laughs> you, you, you think that's, you think that's where, you think that's where your sustenance comes from. We heard, we heard our, 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 our sister Sarah did share that today. You, you think that's right. You know what? And you are just a car accident away from losing it all. 
You are just from you are just a stroke away from losing it all. You are just, uh, just get too cocky thinking it's me, it's me, it's me. When we praise God in our lives of worship, we move heaven in our favor. And I want you not to miss these next lines I'm going to share with you. But when we praise God in our lives, heaven opens up in favor over our lives. We are telling God, we know we have an option to worship anyone else, but we choose you. Can you imagine that declaration? This is, this is what Joshua said for, for himself and for his family. For me and my house, this is what we're going to do. We will. We will serve the Lord. It don't matter how young, how old, we're going we're gonna to worship the Lord. Make that commitment, that covenant for you and your family and those under your own roof. When we praise God, we are telling God, God, we trust you with all of us. When we praise God in our life of worship, you don't need to ask God for anything you need for whatever circumstance you are in. You don't need to. Whenever you're going through hardship, praise. Whenever you're going through a trial, praise. Whenever you're, 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 you're feeling an attack, praise. Whenever it, there's an adversary against you, what do you do? Praise. Just praise. I tell God, God, when I praise him, I tell God, God, I need a little heaven here on earth. So if I have heaven on earth, everything that I need, everything that I need has been made readily available to me. This is what happened in the book of Acts to two men, to two men. I don't have time to get into all of the details because I understand Frankenstein is sweating and makeup is starting to run down his face. But out of Acts chapter 16, this is the story of two men who were innocent men. Innocent. What kind of men? They were innocent. And innocently, they're put into jail. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them to be what? Stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were they were what? How many know that severely is a little, a little worse than bad? They weren't badly beaten. They were what? Severely beaten. And they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon. That means that this is a deeper place that was a little different than where everybody else was. This was just a little, a little deeper. And he put them in there and he clamped their feet in stocks, in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were whining, crying, complaining. They were protesting. They were what? They were what? What were they doing? They were praying and singing. 
hymns to God. And the other prisoners were what? Oh, I got something for you on that one. Keep reading. Suddenly. Somebody say suddenly. 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 That that means there there was no... you, it just, it just happened. You don't know. There was, there was, there was no, there was no evidence that it was coming. You couldn't, for, you couldn't forecast it. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Now, the Bible describes the conditions and the circumstances of both Paul and Silas. They were innocent. They were innocent. However, in the hands of others, they had been beaten severely. They were put into the worst part of the prison. And I'm not talking about a 2021 American prison either. I'm not not being condescending to those that are watching and listening for those that are watching us um, there uh, perhaps in a a correctional facility. But I want to make the distinction that we're talking about almost 2,000 years ago. Prison was a little different. Just a little. Are you getting that? So don't get, don't, don't, but what I'm saying is it was bad. And the Bible says that they didn't cry, they didn't complain, they didn't protest. They prayed. They sang songs. In the midst of their hardship, they had an option to complain, to protest, to whine. But they made a clear distinction or decision, I'm sorry, to say, I can do that, but I'm going to choose to do this. And they prayed and they sang songs. However, I love this part. The prisoners could hear the singing and the praying. So that shows that they were singing aloud. They couldn't clap their hands because they were in stocks. They couldn't do it. But they were singing. And it was loud enough, joyful enough, where the others could hear, "Uh uh-oh, something is different here. These guys are too happy. This also shows us that there are people around us that are in bondage, that are broken, that have no hope. They're, help, they're hopeless, and they're listening to your song. What is the song you are singing in the midst of others that are in bondage, that don't have the hope that you have? Think about that. This hurts, yes but I know where my help comes from. And this hurt that I have, that person has the same hurt, except they don't have the hope I have. So what is the song that's coming from my lips that others around me are listening to? They didn't have to ask God for what they needed. Do you think they needed to be free? They are in a dungeon, they are in prison, They're chained up. Do you think they needed to be free? Yeah, they didn't ask God for that. They just sang and prayed. They just sang and prayed. That's what they did. Sang and prayed. God provided what? Heaven over their circumstance. Heaven over their situation. 
as bad as it was. The spirit of God in you already knows everything you need. Your mind, your heart, your soul and strength just needs to come in harmony and let God be God over your circumstance. Part of the problem is that God has a he has very small real estate in your in, in, in your life. It's very small. You've made just a small accommodation for him. It's not all strength. It's not all mind. It's not all soul. It's not all heart. It's just a sprinkle of. God is saying, I can handle this. But we often make our problem bigger than our God. And Paul and Silas needed to get out of jail. God didn't only provide them with freedom, but as a result of what they chose to do in their, in their moment of circumstance and hardship, they didn't grumble, they didn't complain, they didn't question God during their hardship. God not only freed them, but also freed those that were in bondage around them. Could you imagine that level of gospel? Or you're not even preaching. You're not telling people about your church, about your... No, I just sing and praise and boom, stuff happens around me. And people are drawn to that. How many know that that's magnetic? The presence of God is magnetic. Not only did God free them from their bondage, but he offered that to those that were around them. And many times our hardship serves as an opportunity. Listen, there's some stuff that you're going through right now. Listen, I know it's, I know it's painful. I know it hurts. I know it may not be fair at times, but I'm telling you there are times that we go through hardship and that hardship experience is not for us, but it's God trying to get a little hope into someone around you. Why would anybody, anybody want to serve a God that you claim you love if when you are in hardship, all you do is complain, whine, and demonstrate helplessness. No. <laughs> Why should other people believe that God? I had a good day. I had a bad day. Uh, Sheridan set in lows, and, and, and we get lows and highs. Listen, but those lows and highs... It's the stuff that we see in the flesh. There is no, hope, there is no low and high in God. He, he doesn't change ever. He is the same. So it is for us to unveil more so that we can see, listen, it may look like a low, but no, that's an opportunity for him to do something bigger to you and through you. Amen. Do you know that that's, that that's the stuff that's happening? It's, that, it's not that God, stuff happens to you, but there's stuff that happens to us but it's actually because something is happening through us for someone else. Hey, listen. Jesus is the prime example. All of his hurt wasn't for him. It was for us. Stop. Seriously, think about that. All of his hurt, all of his anguish, all of the, everything he went through, that hardship wasn't for him. It was for us. According to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph said this to his brothers. His brothers thought 
that he was going to take vengeance on them and, and for, for being sold into captivity, for being in jail for three or so years, for, for having the life that, I mean, this is so now dad is not around and Joseph and his brothers, his brothers are thinking this guy's going to retaliate because Pops is nowhere around. And, and you know what? He looked at his brothers and he said, look, you intended this to hurt me. But God meant it for our good. He grabbed it. He turned it and he used it for good. Listen to what Romans says. And I'm going to read it out of two different versions so you can hear this. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is the New Living Translation. Bible says, and we know that God causes everything to work. Not that he causes bad stuff to happen, no. But that he causes everything to work together for the good of those, those who stop. Because we gave a definition of how did Jesus say that we ought to love? How are, to, how are we to love God? With? All right, so when you see the word love there, it's not the loving with a sprinkle of you. A sprinkle of your mind, a sprinkle of your heart, a sprinkle of your strength. No, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I'm going to read it now out of the, is it the message? This is the message Bible. I love the way it puts it here. It puts it in a, it's plain English. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. <laughs> I like that. It's worked into something. Every detail. Think about the details of your life. It's going to work. It's going to work. Has anybody been hurt here before by someone? Anybody been hurt? Look, Mike put both hands up. What's wrong? Jordan being, Jordan, what's, up? what's going on? Seriously, right? It hurts. Stuff, it, 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 yeah, man. God says that he'll grab that hurt, that experience, and it's going to turn to something good, for something good. My sincere, heartfelt desire in doing this series was that we learn that worship is just not what we're doing over there with music. We hear people all the time, yo, just get ready to worship! We're ready to worship! <laughs> I know, I'm entertained. This is not the stuff. That, this is not what worship is. It's, it's part of it, but it's, it's not all of it. So it was my heart to go through this so that, so that your walk as a Christian is a walk in worship. That is, that your, your marriage, come here back, come over here. Wrapping up. That, 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 that your, your marriage, listen, this woman is hard, tough, tough, but her journey is not my journey. Are, are you getting me? Her journey is not my journey. My pace in my walk with God is not her pace in her walk with God. So, so if I don't love, if I don't love with God's love, then I, I can't I can't see what God sees in her for me. So for 12 years, man, we had some, we had some, some stuff in our marriage that was toxic. It was bad. 
But as I, I turned to God, who turned to God? I. As I turned to God, the more and more that I could see a different, I saw something different in her, about her. And, but it was because of what I, because of who I turned to. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's, is is <laughs> being careful, baby. I'm not, I'm not saying Becky is some kind of an angel from, like, you are my angel, but not, not that she is, I think I got myself into trouble here. Let me see, I'm going to put this. All right, I got to clean this one up. Yeah, I messed that one up. Back, no, don't sit down, baby. Just don't hold me that tight. You're holding me tight. <laughs> no, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that, She's not perfect. I, I'm, I'm not perfect. Right? I fixed it. See, see how I did that? But no, no, listen. And, and what I'm saying is that my love doesn't hinge on how excellent she is or how excellent I am. What sustains us is the love that we both have for God in our life and in our marriage. That's what sustains us. Do you hear me? That's what sustains us. That's why I said, if I turn away from God, I, I, I lose. I, I lose what she looks like outside of the eyes of God. I see a different woman. She sees a different man. But it's because of who I turn to when I see my wife, I see God's glory reflecting back to me. And, 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 in, this, and in this series on worship, I just wanted all of us to go through this experience together. So that you understand that this is not just because I'm a pastor and that's the life I have and just because I'm married to this lady and, and I have those kids. Listen, I had three kids and, and one that we raised. And listen, all of them were great kids. I hear families say, you know, there's always that one. We didn't have that. We had four of them. Why? Because... We turn to God. Well, it's debatable. <laughs> it's debatable. But man, you know, don't let Satan rob God's glory from your children in your eyes. There's just, are you getting that? It's so easy to see our children and look at them as defeated and look at them as failures, but you're looking at them through your carnal eyes. No, don't do that. So this is so important. This is why I wanted to give you this experience of this topic of worship, not so that our worship services will be louder and, and, and more lively. No, we want that to happen. That's awesome. But, but I wanted to give you this so that when you go home, you take worship with you. And when you take worship with you, it's God's presence. My heart is that you could understand that none of us are going to be immune to hurt and to pain and to hardship. But that by way of Jesus, the advocate that he left us, the helper, we have a helper always with us through that hardship. You are not alone. You heard Sheridan say that again. You're not alone. You're not in this thing alone. I, listen, if I have Jesus, my master, I don't need anyone else outside of what I have. 
I, I, I don't. I have everything that I have. So I want you to stand to your feet. I want to give you these six things as you're standing for those that are watching us online. Yes, you can go sit. Man, I wish it was that easy at home. See? It's never that easy at home. Had I said that at home, don't you tell me to sit. Don't tell me when to sit. I'm my own person. I'm an adult. She's like, can I? She was so, so can I sit? <laughs> you gotta remember that. <laughs> All right. Number one. Let me give you these six things quick to take with you. Don't give God a space in your life. Give him your life. Give him your life. Number two. To God and God alone, I give my worship. To God and God alone. Number two. To God and God alone, my worship. So if there's something that's getting in between... Husbands and wives and children, there are times that you may have to come together collectively and have a conversation. Honey, 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 get it together. Hey, number three, quickly, create an accommodation for his presence by praising him daily, daily, daily. If you praise him, he shows up. He's right there. Come on. He's right there. His presence is there with you. Number four, praise him in my hurt hardship and my circumstances. Just praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Number five, let those around you hear your praise, not your hurt. All right. And lastly, number six, when you praise him, expect them to show up, show off. Come on. Can somebody make a little noise? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnote.org. See you next time.